Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. So it's good to see you all again. If you could remember, I'm sure all of us was here, I think, when, when I gave my first message um, about following Jesus. And this is my last message in a series called Follow Me. And if you could remember, the first message was on what Jesus' criteria was to follow him. And we learned about um, dying to ourselves and, and being crucified with him and taking up our cross and following him. And we talked about repentance. Um, we talked about, um, we talked about um, works and things that we did. Um, and then we, uh, which was great last week, which, which was a joy, is that we talked about the joy of following Jesus. Uh, and today I'm just kind of wrapping everything up. And my message today is on the 10 characteristics of following Jesus. And some of these things are kind of going to overlap a little bit because some of these characteristics are, are also um, bring great joy in following him. But if you can remember the first message that I gave, um, what the world thought of us was very troubling. And remember what I said um, three or four weeks ago, if you looked on Google and you typed in why are Christians and hit enter on Google, you got all these negative things and you got why are Christians so you know, judgmental and why are they so hypocritical and why are they so mean and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And those are not true characteristics of uh, being a Christian. So I wanted to wrap it up by actually presenting the true characteristics of following Jesus. So there are a lot of them. There's 10 of them. So, you know, some of them we covered extensively in the last couple of times that I talked. So I'll briefly go over them. But the first is born again. And the scripture for that is John 3, 3. So I'll read that for you. And the, contents, the context of this is Nicodemus um, says something to Jesus. And he says that, um, you know, obviously you're from God because you're doing all these great things. And Jesus comes out of left field and, and tells Nicodemus this, which, uh, which, which is awesome. And this is what he says. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So one of the characteristics of following Jesus is to be born again. And we covered this in the first message of turning away from sin and dying to ourselves and turning to God and when we do that, we have this rebirth because our old life has been crucified with him and is dead. And now we begin this new life. We, we repent and we make a 180 change and we face Jesus. And we have this new life and we have this new rebirth. And so even though I won't go into this in detail, um, that would be for another message. And I did talk about this um, 
before that that is the number one characteristic of being a follower of Jesus is being born again. The second is prayer. And I didn't go into great detail on prayer. Uh, The scripture for this I chose is Luke chapter 6 verse 12. And it says this, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountains to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus is such an example to us. The way he lived his life, if we want to be like him, we need to do what he did. And he prayed a lot. He prayed a lot to his father. Um, he prayed a lot that, that, that his father would have his will and not his he prayed to him constantly. And when he did, he went out in, in seclusion, went out where there wasn't anybody. Um, and that may be for us in, in a room or it might be up in, a, in the mountains or up in the hills or taking a walk or it might be on the beach late at night when there's nobody there. And, and, and having that one-on-one time with God is so important. Um, you know, I've, I've known my wife for pretty much all my life. When, when I met my wife, I was around 13 years old, and, and my cousin was best friends with her. And so I would always see her during um, like family events, like sometimes on, on holidays and things. And, and I was just mesmerized by her. I just thought she was the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I still think she is. And, and one of the things that I got enough courage to do was to ask her out. And this was like in high school. And I finally got the, the guts to do that. And there was two times where we, where we dated. We dated in high school. And then we both went away to college. And, but we, we came back later on after that. And we, we started dating again. But, but before, when we were a lot younger in high school... Um, I really wanted to know more about her, and I really wanted to find out, you know, just about her life, and I just knew that she was gorgeous, and I wanted to know more about her, so I took her out on this date, and we went to Chili's, which, uh, which is, you know, which was an awesome restaurant back then. <laughs> it still is, but oh, it was like the happening place, and, and so we went there, and I remember uh, sitting there, and she wasn't talking that much. She wasn't saying anything. And it was really odd to me because I kept asking her questions and she would answer with these like one word answers. And I was trying so hard to get this conversation together. And I would ask her things like, how is your summer going? And she's, it's fine. I'd be like, okay, like, what have you been doing? Nah, no, no, not a lot. I'd be like, are you, are you, have you been going to the beach? Yep. <laughs> These are our conversations that we're having. I'm like, well, what beach are you going to? And, and Seal Beach. I'm just like, wow, I can't get her to say anything. I'm like, do you like Seal Beach? Yeah, I like Seal Beach. And that was like our whole weird, awkward conversation. I couldn't get her to open up. And I love being in her presence and I love hanging out with her. But I thought, wow, this, she is like, does not like me at all. Like I can tell she wants to leave or something. And that wasn't the case. She was nervous to be there as well. But, but I think of that as our relationship with God. God really loves us and wants to talk to us and wants to hear from us and wants this relationship with us. And a lot of times it, it becomes a burden for us to pray. And it is such an honor to pray to God and be able, because of what Jesus did, to have that relationship, to have that one-on-one interaction with him where we can actually talk 
to God, the creator of the universe, who will listen to us and wants to hear from us and wants to say things to us and, and wants to give us encouragement through his word. And I feel that I, I can only think as a, as a father wanting to talk to his son or his daughter and we don't respond. Um, I, I felt that way when, when I was in that relationship with my wife. And I know that even with my daughters, you know, I, I've, I've got, well, my oldest daughter's 21 now and I have a daughter that's uh, uh, 19 and a daughter that's 15. And my 15 year old is going through the stage that my other daughters went through where they, won't, they don't want anything to do with me at all. Like, they don't even pretend like I exist. It's, it's, it's crazy. And um, it hurts me as a dad because I've had this relationship with my daughters and, and, and we've always been close and it's great to talk to them and, and find out how their day is going and find out what's going on with their friend groups and all that stuff. And I've always noticed with my kids during that stage at around like 15, and it's maybe like a two, two year thing, but um, they want nothing to do with their parents at all. And, and my 15 year old just got a job at uh, a yogurt place. And since she's not 16 yet, she can't drive herself there. And so I have to drop her off and I have to pick her up. But she wants me to park like five stores down from where I have to pick her up or drop her off for whatever reason she cannot be seen with me. I, like I embarrass her. And, and as a father, you know, I just, I want so badly to have this connection with her. And, and it hurts me. And I know this is just a phase, but, but I always think about, about our heavenly father. And, and when we don't pray to him and we don't spend time with him, I can only imagine how he must feel for us when we don't do that and talk to him. And it's such a privilege and an honor to do that. Um, a good friend of mine and, and also Corey's is, um, we have a friend named John and, and um, we have this group that we meet every once in a while and we kind of hang out and catch up on things and, and we pray for each other and, and talk about God. And one of the things that he said really, really touched me and really kind of made sense. And he spends every morning with God. And so when he, when he wakes up, the first thing that he does is that he reads the word and prays. And I think sometimes that becomes this task for us sometimes. It's like, well, I got to start my day off with God. And we say, well, I got to do this. And it becomes like this chore or this task. And, and hearing his story and what he's saying, it, it, it's not that for him at all. It's just like intimate relationship that he has with God. And when those things don't happen, if he starts his day without that, He's, he feels lost. He feels like something is missing in his life. And um, it's interesting because he said that he's a surfer also. And uh, he got up the other morning to go to Trestles with his son to go surfing. And he wanted to get there before the sun rose. He wanted to paddle out in the lineup just as the sun was rising. And in order to do that, it's in San Clemente. And he has to get up super early. And he, he took it upon himself to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to read God's word and to spend that time with him, not because he had to, because he wanted to. He misses that intimacy with God. And one of those characteristics of following Jesus is prayer, to have that relationship with God that we can actually come to him and talk to him and he can talk to us as well. 
So the other is listening. So listening, I've, I've chosen Matt, Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. It says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And what's amazing is that Jesus has a lot to say in the Bible. A lot to say. He has a lot to say about life. He has a lot to say about troubles. And he has a lot to say about leading an example. And we need to listen to him. And we need to get into his word. So what's the number one way that we can listen to God? It's through his word. And, and I think sometimes Christians complicate that. And, and for some, it's a slippery slope. Because we, we hear from God in, in so many ways. And God speaks to us in different ways. Um, sometimes God can be audible with us or appear to us and, 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 and speak to us through other believers and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and none of those should be discounted. Um, but one thing that is very, very important, that anytime you feel like you're hearing from God and it is contrary to his word, you're not hearing from God at all. So his word has to be the number one way of communication that God communicates to us through. Amen? So I, I know for me, just personally, God has spoken to me, but most of the time, pretty much all of the time, God has led me to his word. And so he's either picked out a Bible verse for me or wants me to go in the Bible and look for something. And it's, it's never one of those things where you pick up a Bible and you just kind of flip the pages and point to a verse and look and see what God has to say to me. It's, it's not like that at all. So... A lot of times he's led me to a specific verse that I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't know what that verse is. And it just so happens to be the exact answer to my questions that I have for him. So making sure that listening to God is rooted in the word. That's another characteristic of God. So the fourth is belief. So belief is good old John 3.16. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably have this verse memorized and I'll read it it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life and this is the gospel in a nutshell right but it says whoever believes in him so belief is a very big deal and you see belief in the bible especially in the new testament belief is is mentioned over and over and over and over again. Belief is such an important aspect of the Christian life. And I think, you know, for all of us, um, sometimes we struggle with belief. And Jesus said, if you have faith as small as even a mustard seed, like you believe even just tiny, if you have just a tiny bit of belief, if you have just a tiny bit of faith, you can uproot this tree and replant it in the ocean, and it'll obey you. And, and it's, it's wild to think that our belief can do such a thing. Um, he also says that, um, you know, if, if you pray to the Father in my name, um, he will do whatever you ask him to in my name, which is, which is wild. It's hard for us to, to wrap our heads around that. And sometimes God will say no, um, just like I'll say no to my four-year-old daughter who wants to eat cookies and candy all day. And we have to say no to them because... We want what's best for them. 
And we don't want them to be sick because if I said yes on everything, that would hurt her. And God's the same way, but God wants us to have faith. God wants us to have faith in him. God wants us to have faith when we pray to him. I think a lot of us don't. We, we pray, and I know I have. I, I've prayed to God and asked for healing or asked God to change a situation that seems impossible. And, and deep down, seated in me, I'm like, you know, this isn't going to happen. You know, I know God can do this, but I don't have faith. I don't believe that he can do that. And I've seen God do amazing things. And we have to know and we have to understand that, that God heals marriages. We have to believe that he can do that. We have to believe that he can restore relationships that are lost. We have to believe that, that he can heal addictions. We have to believe that he can heal sicknesses. Because what's the point in praying if we don't believe? And it's even a commandment that we believe. So belief is, uh, is the number four characteristic that I have in following Jesus. Uh, obedience. The fifth one. Scripture for this is Matthew 26, verse 39. Matthew verse uh, 26, I'm sorry, chapter 26, verse 39 says this. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And we see this amazing example that Jesus gives us in complete obedience to the Father, even if it's against his will. And we're faced with those things a lot of times. We're, we're faced with things that we don't want to do. We're faced with things that is easy. It's the easy way out, are more comfortable, are more, maybe more crowd-pleasing, or maybe pleasing for other people that aren't believers. But Obedience in Jesus is very, very, very important. And Jesus set that example for us. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. So if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. And it seems very, very simple. Um, but obedience is something that Jesus emulated perfectly. And the sixth one is love. Love. So I have Mark uh, verse... Sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 through 31. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus, in, in essence, is saying, love me and love people. Love God and love people. We should be about love, and which breaks my heart when I, when I see things on the Internet talking about Christians. There's no love. It should be all about love. And sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to love God, but it's harder for us to love people, especially when people have hurt us, especially if we don't approve of what they're doing um, especially if they hurt our family. Uh, it becomes a very, very, very difficult thing. And um, we shouldn't be that way. And if you look at Acts, if you, if you go into Acts and you, you look at how the first church got started and you looked at what everyone did, I mean, everyone supported one another. 
As a, as a body of believers, everyone's selling everything and coming together and helping each other out and, and giving to the poor and, and, and creating this community of love and, and this back and forth giving that God has is, is, is really taught us to do. And, and even in, in, in our day and age, there's, there's separation still with the body of Christ. You know, I'm going to do my thing and you'll, you go do your thing. And you know, I've been fortunate enough in life that, that God has blessed me with so much. And one of the joys and, and the privileges that I've had um, is, is being able to give to others. And there's no greater joy than, than giving what God has given to me. And, and um, I own my own business, and this is not bragging about myself at all, but, um, and I don't want you to get the wrong intention, but uh, the wrong... Uh, idea about it, but I, I would give my services to people, especially believers. And I would, I have, I have a water damage company where I do, I clean up water damage and I clean up mold. And I would, when anyone ever had a problem, they would call me and, and I always wanted to do something for them. And it was always free of charge because it felt like to me that, that God has gifted me with this. And I have always felt like whatever is mine is yours. And whatever is yours is mine. And that's how it should be. And, and I've also been in a position where I've had to receive. I've been in a position where I didn't have something and I needed something. And, and believers have come to me and helped me, which is an amazing thing to see God's people come and finally you know, come to me and return the favor and do things that I so desperately need. And so as a community of believers, loving each other is doing things for each other and noticing that. It's not just praying for people. And, and, and I see a lot of that. It's just like, man, I'm sorry about that. You know, I'm really sorry about your circumstance, but I'll pray for you. And it's more, it's more than that. It's getting out there and being there when someone's lonely or being there financially if you're able to do that are being there in, in, in prayer and, 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 um, and being the support that they need. That is very important in, in loving one another. It's easier said than done, but that's number six, love. Number seven is sharing the gospel. And that's a commandment. So the Great Commission uh, is uh, Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And um, we've all heard the Great Commission, but this is our calling. It's a commandment. It's something that we have to do. And um, we should want to do it. I mean, we've, we've received this amazing gift from God. We, we have this new life in him. We're reborn and we're experiencing this amazing life with him. And if we love one another, we should share that gospel. We should share God's love with people. And, and, um, but we have to do it in a, in, in, a, in a very specific way because I think a lot of times people are very aggressive with it. And they come across as being very rude and very judgmental. Um, and people will tell other ones, you're going to hell. You don't know what you're doing. And, you know, God says this and God's going to judge you. And, and, and we're supposed to come to people in love. And sometimes it could be in the way that we live our lives. Um, sometimes maybe someone would see the way your life is and wonder, why are you so happy? Why do you have this family that loves you so much? And 
what what Kool-Aid are you drinking? What's going on? We might be presented with that question. That might be an opportunity for us to share the gospel. Um, it could be little tidbits of things. It could be small little things that we present to people, and over time, um, we have that per, that opportunity to open up and share the entire gospel with them. Uh, I remember when when Corey and, and I and Brandon uh, were starting the church, and we had to open up a bank account. And I remember us uh, that we're in the uh, in the bank waiting there, and and Brandon, uh, who's one of the elders and pastors here as well, uh, had had a previous. Um, appointment with one of the bankers there and they were studying to be a, uh, a financial planner and, and that's what Corey does or that's what Brandon does and um, and he wanted to know how he's doing you know how are you doing in that he remembered who he was he remembered what he was doing and did you take your series seven test yet and had had great interest in him and then one of the things I remember that he said that was so amazing he said like don't forget that Jesus loves you God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. And so this man now was presented with something that he understood that, like, Brandon had his best interest in mind. And it wasn't forced on him. It wasn't something that was shoved down his throat. But it was a little seed that he planted. And maybe another visit with him, maybe there would be a question or maybe be another opportunity to share that gospel with him. But that, that could be this, these little subtle little hints that we give people and, and waiting for that opportunity. But we should always be there. We should always be thinking of that. And here we are, a church, planning a church and spreading the gospel, and it's so simple. And Brandon, uh, Brandon did it perfectly. And we should always be thinking of that. We should always be ha- have that in mind that, that we are required to spread the gospel and share the good news with other people. So that's number seven. Uh, Number eight is service and works. And uh, I chose uh, James chapter two, verse 14. And it goes like this. Chapter or verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So what good is faith? without works. And if you remember this, my, my crazy story with the lobsters, and you guys saw my lobster card, I mean, this is all about works. As Christians, we should be doing things. And, and, and works do not save us. It's, it's grace that saves us. But because we've been saved, we should be doing stuff. And if we're not doing stuff, there's something wrong. We should have lobster cards filled out with all kinds of things that we do. And yet, some people say that they're Christians, but they don't do anything. And, and every time I'm on fire for God and I feel the Holy Spirit within me, that's all I want to do. I want to, let's go do something. Let's, let, let's, let's go give money to the poor. Let's go find someone that, that needs help. Let's, let's do something. It's always what I want to do. I'm always sparked inside to take action. And that's what he's called us to do. And that sounds simple, but... But it's uh, service and works are very, very, very important. Uh, number nine is non-conforming. And scripture for this is in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So to be transformed of a renewing of your mind, do not be conformed by this world. You know, it's, we don't belong here. The Bible says that we're not of this world. This isn't our final destination. And so we should, in, we should behave in a way um, that, that is a proof that we're not conforming to this world. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite stores, uh, I really like going here, is, uh, is Walmart. And uh, don't judge me, please, yet. But, but I, I love to go to Walmart. And I don't love to go to Walmart because of the atmosphere at Walmart. I love to go because of the savings. I don't understand why someone would go to Target and pay four more dollars to buy the same item at Target. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Even for my business, we do a lot of packing. So we pack out things a lot of, out, of, out of people's houses when they have water damages. And, and I buy my boxes there. I buy my packing tape. I, I buy everything there. And it's way cheaper than Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. But there's one thing about Walmart that's a little different than anywhere else. Actually, a lot different. It is the people that I see in Walmart. So, and don't judge me. I'm not saying, I'm not judging anybody or saying I'm not making fun of anybody. But I've never seen people like the people I've seen in Walmart before. And I don't know why, I don't understand it. The other day I went into Walmart and there's a guy wearing no shirt and a pair of overalls. Like, where is this guy from? Like, it has nothing to do with like class or stature. He's not lower class and I'm higher class than him, but I never see anybody dressed like this in anywhere in North County. Um, I saw someone uh, the other day dressed in full pajamas and slippers, and it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know? And um, the other day, too, I saw a lady dressed in a leopard outfit, like a leopard. Like, I have no idea why she's wearing this. It's not October. She's not going to a Halloween party. It's like 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, so I know she's not going to a costume party. But she's wearing a leopard outfit with a tail, mind you. It's got a tail attached to it. And she's going around shopping like it's not a big deal. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen anything like it in all my life. And it's not that, that um, it's, again, it's not that she's a lower class, or, or, but she's just different. As a matter of fact, she's buying things in her basket that I can't even afford. Like, she's getting things that I can't even afford at all. And so it's definitely not a class thing or an economic thing. And the crazy thing is that if I go to stores that are, that are discounted stores, if I go to like, uh, like 99 cent store or the Dollar Tree or something like that, I don't see leopard lady at those stores. I don't see overall guy there either. I never see leopard lady at the gas station filling up or, or in Home Depot looking for something. And it it's blows my mind sometimes because especially this store is in Encinitas and, and it, it's wild because I never see these people around town. It's like, do they just go to Walmart and then just go straight home and that's all they ever do? So I wonder, like, what is it about Walmart that, that has all these, like, different-looking people in it? Because they don't necessarily fit into what North County people look like and dress like. And it doesn't matter 
what Walmart it is. It can, I've been to Walmarts all over the country and it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what neighborhood it's in. It could be in a very nice neighborhood. I don't know if they have a Walmart in Beverly Hills, but I can guarantee you there'll be a leopard-like lady in, at that Walmart as well. I have no idea why that is, but it's almost like Walmart is set aside from the rest of the world. It's like this, this, this place that's different than anywhere else I've ever been to. And, and I think of it like us. That's how we should be. We should be different. We should be a part of this world. We shouldn't be belonging to this world. And we should be proud of that. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, when we're on a business trip and um, a bunch of guys are going to a strip club and saying, hey, let's, let's go to the strip club. And you say no, because um, I don't want to and that's not my lifestyle and you get made fun of. Or um, people judge you or think differently of you. Or maybe you don't want to see a movie because it has sex scenes in it or, or something that's not appropriate and people think that you're weird. Like, why would you do, why would you not see a movie? It's just, you know, it's just a movie. Or um, wh why would people not engage in, in things that, that the world engages in that's normal? And, and all these things are normal to everybody, but they're not normal to us. And so we should stand out. We should stand out like Leopard Lady, you know, because we don't belong to this world. We belong to a different kingdom. And so non-conforming is one of them. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Uh, number 10, the last one, um, is suffering. And the verse for this is in Philippians. And it's verse, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 29. It says this, 29. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So part of being a follower of Christ is to suffer. And this isn't taught in a lot of churches. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of pastors and a lot of churches that, that'll say, if you're not living an, an amazing life and you don't have a nice house and your business isn't successful and you don't drive nice cars and, and everything's going great, then you don't have the relationship with Jesus that you need to have. Because Jesus wants to give you all these things. Jesus, and that's true, Jesus wants you to have an amazing life and he wants to bless you. But it's also very important to understand that being a follower of Christ is going to include suffering. We're going to have those difficult times that we don't understand. There are some things that have happened in my life. I have no idea why God allowed it to happen. And, and I'll never understand until I see him. I don't understand why things happen to my friends. I, I have people that, that uh, I have friends that have had loved ones die. That I have husbands and wives that are ripped away from them. Um, children dying. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you even explain that? Um, and it seems interesting because a lot of these pastors and churches that, that'll preach this, this, this gospel of, of the God is only wants to bless you probably has, has never read Job before. If you ever read Job, I mean, Job is an upstanding man and loves the Lord and obeys the Lord and, 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 and serves and, 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 and praises him. And, and look what God allowed in his life. 
absolutely devastated him to the point where he did not want to live anymore. But he wouldn't curse God. He wouldn't curse him. And God blessed him in the end. But God allows suffering. And that's, that's very, very important. And I think, you know, for, for those who think that God should always bless, bless us all the time, um, I, I don't think we understand our relationship with Jesus. I know John F. Kennedy said something that was, what was famous. He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And, and isn't that true with Jesus? We shouldn't be asking Jesus what Jesus can do for us. We should be asking what we can do for Jesus. It shouldn't be about how Jesus fits into my life. It shouldn't be about, you know, I'm going to use Jesus to get what I want because Jesus loves me. And that's not how it works. And so to wrap this up, I, I just, I, I want to say that, you know, through all of this, and, and following Jesus and putting him first and knowing all the true characteristics of what it means to be a true follower of him, the true meaning of life, what we're put on this earth for, the meaning of life is Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. You know, Paul says, to live is Christ. To die is gain, right? But to live, to live, to truly live, to live a purpose-filled life, to live life to the fullest, it's all about Jesus. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you so much for your word. We, we just thank you, Jesus, for your example, God. We, just, we thank you that you've lived a life that is worthy of us to follow, Lord. You are an amazing God that loves us and wants the best for us, God. And I just, if there's anybody here, Lord, that has walked away from you, God, that is not following you, Lord, that you would open their heart and that you would call them to yourself, Lord. And just like the fishermen that dropped their nets when you called them, just like the tax collector that dropped everything and left his posts and left his his job and, and left his importance in the society, just left everything, Lord, that they would leave their lives and they would leave their troubles behind and follow you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today. And may his face shine upon you and give you peace. If you need prayer or would like to reach out to us, you can do so at our website, renewinghope.church. Until next time.